Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been speaking on purpose-driven life, finding your purpose in life. They say that the average human being will live 25,550 days. It makes sense to take 40 of those days and find out what your purpose in life is. We waste so many of our days in life, and there's one thing you cannot get back is time. Everything else, you can make more money, you, you can make more things, but you can't make more time. Before you were born, God already determined the days that you would live and the limits of those days. And I've heard people say, well, I'm just burning time. I'm waiting. I'm trying to just kill some time. That's the most valuable thing anyone could ever give to you is their time. That's why when a father sits down with their child and, and takes time with them, that's the most valuable thing you can give to anyone is your time. Because I can make more money, I can't make more time. I want to encourage you to find out what your purpose in life is. Take time to stop wasting time and start finding your purpose in life. Amen. We've been sharing on, on, on the purpose-driven life and taking time to go over what our purpose is. And if you would take your Bibles and turn with me very quickly to the book of uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and this is a passage of Scripture that, that uh, many of us know, we've read, we've heard about. I want to also say congratulations to the Niners on making it to the Super Bowl. How many Niner fans are in the house this morning? How many Chief fans are in the house this morning? She married into it, okay? She married into it. Troy, Troy is a, uh, our worship leader is a huge uh, Kansas City Chief fan, and we, we had the opportunity years ago to do, uh, when I first got invited to do Chief's Chapel, uh, when I got invited to it, the first person I called was Troy. It said, hey, man, you want to go with me to go do the chapel for the Chiefs. He was so excited to be able to, he's, he's in there as he's singing. He's like, oh, so-and-so was there, so-and-so was there, so-and-so was there. Just so cool for him to be able to have that experience. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I'm reading out of the Living Bible uh, translation. It says it this way. From the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him and all along, he knew who would and should become like his son. Everyone say, like his son. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Now, as we, we started a couple weeks ago, we talked about our first purpose. Everyone say, first purpose. The first reason that you were born, the first reason God designed you was for his pleasure. Everyone say, pleasure. Now, Many of you that have kids, you have kids because you wanted children. You wanted the pleasure that our kids can bring us. God created you much in the same vein. He takes pleasure in his children. And what we call pleasure and bringing pleasure to God is worship. We worship God. That's how we bring pleasure to God. When we worship him, and your worship isn't when we sing a song. It's in the life that you live. It's how you do, doing your best in whatever it is. Whether you're a nurse and you're doing the best that you are 
are in that nursing aspect or whether you work retail, if you're in that retail aspect, you're giving God your best. The best that you give is your worship to God. If you're giving a sales presentation, if you're, if you're cleaning a yard, if you're, if you're building a house, when you do your best work and you do it as unto the Lord, that is worship unto God. It's not the songs you sing, it's the effort that you give to do your best. Secondly, we talked about that you were formed for God's family. God puts you together in order to belong to part of the family of God. Anyone that says that they don't need the local church is either ignorant or arrogant. Because the local church is what Jesus died for. The church is what Jesus said, I'm going to come and establish. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So we need, you need fellowship. You are not just created to believe. You are created to belong as well. Someone say amen. And so number three this morning, I want you to understand this. You weren't created just to believe, not just to belong but you are also created to become. Everyone say become. The third purpose that God established and designed us was to literally become like Christ. You are created to become like Christ. When, when, you, when you have a child, your kids, how many of your kids look like you? How many couldn't deny your kids if you tried because they looked so much like you? There's a resemblance. And in the family of God, when we become part of the family of God, God wants us to look like his family. God wants a family resemblance as well, that we look like our father, that the whole goal is to bring about the, 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 the resemblance of God in our life. So you were created to become like Christ. You were created not only to believe, not only to belong, but to become just like God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 puts it this way in the message version. God wants us to grow up. Look at your neighbor, tell him to grow up. Even, even if it's your wife or your husband, you can tell them, grow up, okay? I don't know how many times I've wanted to say that to certain individuals. God wants us to grow up like Christ in everything. God wants us to expand, to grow up just like Christ. He wants you to mature. Everything God creates grows. Everything God creates is growing. It is, it's continuing. It's progressing. And likewise, when we accept Christ, we should progress as well. We should grow. We should mature. God doesn't want us just to know about Jesus Christ. God wants us to become like Jesus. Many of you know about God, but you look nothing like him. Come on, say it again, Pastor. You know all about the Word. You have studied the Word all your life. You know every, you can come to church and you can say what the pastor's going to say next. You are so in tune with church, but you have no resemblance to the God that the church belongs to. It's not enough to know God or know about God. We have to start becoming like God. We have to start looking like God, acting like God, looking like we are children of God, which means we begin to progress. God wanted us to look like him from the beginning of time. It's what I call the BLC. Become like Christ. 
That through our lives, it should be the BLC. It should be all about being like Christ. That my goal on a daily basis is the BLC, to be like Christ. That whatever I do in dealing with my wife, dealing with my kids, dealing with our church, dealing with the community is BLC, be like Christ. That has to be our daily goal. And whenever I'm not like Christ, my family's very quick to point that out. I'm telling you, they, they know it, and they know when I'm not acting like Christ. I know when I'm not acting like Christ. And for me to make a public declaration to them that I'm trying to be like Christ, they now have a freedom, even in my kids, to speak into my life and say, Dad, that's not what you said you want to be. And it's humbling to get called out on your inconsistencies. Come on, church. But we say we want to grow, but we don't want anyone to coach us. It's like going to a gym and wanting a trainer, but you don't want the trainer telling you, one more, push harder. Come on, you can do it. See, we want to grow, but we don't want nobody telling us anything. But if we are going to become like Christ, we have to have the ability to surrender our will to God and to be like Christ. Now, I want you to see being like Christ is a lifelong process. I've been serving, I've been pastoring, not serving God, pastoring for 30 years. 30 years. I started when I was two. (laughs) 30 years I've been pastoring, yet in that time, I'm still not as much like Christ as I'd like to be. I still have insecurities, areas that I need to get better at. The areas in my life that I look at, that it, becoming like Christ is a lifelong process. It's not a one and done kind of deal. Okay, I'm like Christ, I'm done. I, I don't have to worry about growing anymore. It is a consistent growth aspect that we commit ourselves. And I want you to understand this. Look at all the problems we have going on in society. I submit this to you this morning, that if we all made a commitment to be more like Christ, we could solve all, someone say all, all humanity's problems because every problem we have throughout the world not the United States I'm talking throughout globally every problem globally could be solved when we become like Christ if we would commit ourselves violence would stop we would find stealing and robberies quitting as well homelessness would end that with child abuse sexual abuse would all stop abductions would stop as well addictions would stop murder would stop gossip would stop lying would stop cheating would stop we would divorce would stop bitterness would stop suicide would stop all these things embezzlement all these things would end if we would just become more like Christ I'm telling you, we could change the world if we made a commitment to be like Christ. Instead of saying that we are, but we're not committed to the process. Becoming like Christ, Romans 8.28 says this, And we know God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everything. Notice this, and we know that God causes, everyone say causes. Then he says, everything to work together. How many of you know this, that everything you go through in life isn't good? But God promises right here to make everything work, to work for good, for those that love God, 
and are called according to his purpose. You go through some tough things. That addiction wasn't good. That divorce wasn't good. That death of the loved one wasn't good. That financial bankruptcy wasn't good. That depression you're going through wasn't good. That car accident wasn't good. That life-changing situation wasn't good. Every one of us have gone through some bad things. That one that we wanted to live ended up passing away. That cancer came in and stole the loved one. A divorce came in or destroyed a family. Every single one of us have gone through some bad things. But my promise in the word is that God will work everything together. Someone say together. He said together for his good, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. I got a promise for you right now. If what you are going through isn't good right now, if what you are going through isn't good at this moment, then if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. God's still working it out for your good. Somebody say amen. The three tools that God wants to use, that uses to help make us more like Christ. The first two you probably will identify with. The third one might catch you a little off guard. But number one, the first thing, the first tool God uses, God uses trouble to help us trust him. God uses trouble to help us trust him. See, trials are designed by God to draw us closer to him. Follow me on this, okay? They stretch our faith and they stretch our character as well. That's why when you get around people that begin, to, they're, they're, they're troubled people and they push, they push your buttons and you're like, God, I told you I wanted to draw closer to you and then you send this joker in my life. Those jokers are the very tool that God uses to stretch your character and to stretch your faith, to trust God. You're going to go through some trials. In fact, Romans 8.28 says, we know God causes everything to work together. You're going to go through some stuff in life. No one ever promised that you were going to go through a rose garden, that everything was going to be great, that you would never have a problem. Whoever told you that the moment you accept Christ, you won't have any problems in life, lied to you. Because there's only two kinds of people that have troubles in this world. Those that love God and those that don't. Some of y'all will get that on the way home. In other words, everyone has troubles. The difference is, is for the believer, we have trust that God is going to take those things that were meant for evil and turn them around for our good. I want you to know right now God is working. Look at your neighbor tell him God's working on your behalf. Come on, look at the person behind you. Tell them God's working on your behalf right now. For Peter, Peter, if anyone understood it was Peter, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happened to you. It's so, it blows me away when I run into believers or Christians that tell me, I don't know what's going on. I got all these problems going on, and we look like somehow like God is ripping us off by allowing us to go through a trial or something. The reality is, God never promised it was going to be easy. Peter says, don't think it's strange. And I don't know who told you it was going to be easy. You're going to go through some trials. He thinks just because you accept Christ that all trouble in your life is gone. Trials are part of life. You're going to go through some tough times. Why? Because life is hard. Let me say that again. Life is hard. 
And we're raising a generation of people that we're telling them that life isn't hard. It's easy. You're entitled to whatever you want. The reality is you're going to have to fight for some things. You're going to have to fight through some things. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to prepare yourself for battle in life. He says, he goes, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. He says this as he closes, instead, be very glad. You know what that tells me, what Peter's saying? I can't control what happens to me, but I can control what happens through me. And too many times we allow the things that happen to us to determine what's going to come through us. Why are you so upset? Well, they, they made me mad. They're making me this way. No one can make you do anything. And the moment you give someone control over your life where they're able to change your attitude, to change your direction, or destroy your faith, you've given someone too much power over your life. Now, let me explain it to you this way, okay? God's more concerned with your character than he is your comfort. Please say that again, Pastor. God is more concerned with your character. He wants you to become more like him than he's concerned about what you do for him, about you being comfortable, you being happy. You being happy is not God's number one role for your life. It's not about you being happy. It's about you becoming like him. And so God will allow the irritants in life. You don't get a diamond unless there's pressure. You don't get a pearl unless there's irritation. We have to learn how to take the pressures in life and the irritations in life in order to produce something beautiful in our lives. Why? Because every problem has a purpose. Every problem has a purpose in your life. And the purpose for our problem is to make you more like Jesus and to build your character. Look, look what Mark chapter 4, how do I know this? Because God didn't even keep Jesus from trouble. In Mark chapter 14, we see Jesus as he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's pleading with God. He knows he's about to die. He knows what he's about to face. And he prays this, God, if there be any way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Let this cup go another way. Let, 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 don't, don't make me have to walk this path. If there's any other way, but not my will, your will be done. Being honest with God with what you're going through is one thing. But then being able to submit to God's will for your life is another. No, no one likes discomfort. After you get done working out, your muscles are sore the next day. Especially if you hit legs and you haven't done them, you, you're, you can't even walk. But what's happening, the soreness is telling you that there's growth taking place. I want you to understand that even Jesus had to surrender in the garden of trouble. When you go through your garden of trouble, surrender to God. When you're going through your garden of trouble, you're about to get, you're not about to be demoted. You're about to be promoted into God's purpose in your life. I love what 2 Corinthians 4 says. It says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. If you don't give up, what you're going through is light and momentary compared to the eternal glory God's about to bring in your life. What am I telling you? Don't give up. What am I telling you? Stay in the fight. What am I trying to get across to you on Super Bowl Sunday is be a champion and don't give up. Stay in the fight. Don't allow the trials in life to defeat you. 
I want to encourage you right now, turn your worry into worship and turn your battles into blessings. Turn your worry into worship because as I close, number one, I want you to see this. God will use, listen very carefully, God will use either trials or storms of correction or perfection in your life. Storms of correction and storms of perfection. Storms of correction are storms you got yourself into. Say it again, Pastor. Storms of correction are when you make a bad decision and now you're dealing with it. You're drunk, drunk you, you, you drink, you drive, you get pulled over, you get a DUI, you're standing in front of the judge, and now you're saying, God, would you please get me out of this situation? And you're mad at God because now you're standing in front of a judge that's about to sentence you. You can't blame God on that storm. That was a storm that you put yourself into. So you are in a storm of correction. And unless you get it right in your life, you're going to end up in trouble. You're going to continue to make bad decisions. There are storms of correction to get us back on the right path. Like Jonah. When Jonah ran from God, God sent a storm to get Jonah back in line again. But there's also storms of perfection. That's when you obey God, when you do the right thing. God tells you to get in the boat, and you get in the boat, and you end up in the middle of a storm anyhow. It's those storms in life that you find yourself in that God is not correcting you. He's perfecting you. He's taking and building you up to another level. And whenever God does that, it's because he wants to reveal a side of his character to you that you never would understand or need outside of the storm. And when he tells the disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side, they obey him and they end up in the middle of a storm. Many of you have obeyed God and you've ended up in the middle of a storm and you're wondering, God, where are you? I'm here to tell you you this God is walking in your storm he's close to you in your storm and he's about to reveal a part of his character that you never knew before now in my life I've gone through storms of correction because I've been dumb and immature I'd rather go through the storms of perfection than going through the storms of correction number two someone say number two God uses temptation to teach us to obey him now, now l- listen very carefully. Don't, don't get me wrong. God can't tempt you. But God will use temptation. What the enemy meant, meant for evil, he'll turn for good. We just got done singing that. What the enemy meant for evil, see, l- let me put it to you this way. I love the way Rick Warren explains this. He says this, trials are designed to draw you closer to God. When I go through a trial and I respond correctly to the trial, I end up closer to God. Temptation is designed by Satan, not by God. Temptation is designed by Satan to draw you away from God. But when I respond and I turn away from temptation and I do the right thing, I end up closer to God and more like God as a result. So what the enemy meant to destroy your life, when you resist temptation and resist the devil and he will flee, there are certain times that you have to turn and when you resist the enemy, you become more like Christ as a result. Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 4, says this, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be what? To be what? Tempted. So he was going there for a reason. He was going there at a a time of temptation. Temptation's a choice. Okay, when you go through a temptation, listen, you're when you talk about certain certain things aren't going to tempt me because your temptations are always built according to your appetite.
I don't like broccoli. You're not going to tempt me with the plate of broccoli when, I, when I'm, I'm fasting or something like that. I'm, broccoli's not going to be the deal. Put a piece of chocolate cake there with a glass of milk. You got my attention. Because temptation is birthed according to your appetite. Whatever you have an appetite for is what draws you away from God. And Satan knows what your appetites are. Satan knows the things that you have a a lust for, a hunger for. He knows the things that can draw you away. He knows you at times better than you know yourself. And so temptation is a choice. When we choose to do good instead of giving into the temptation, we end up more like God. God is shaping our character during these times. Listen carefully. God would never tempt you. God will not tempt you. It's biblical. But God will use what was being tempted, what's tempting you, and to turn it around for his good to draw you closer to him because God would never tempt you to do evil I've heard people say you know what man this lady just came into my life and you know what God God must have placed her there and so forth and if you're married God did not bring that lady into your life let let me say that again That, that should have been a little louder clap God did not bring that lady into your life he already brought one into your life You already committed to one in your life. You already said, I do to one in your life. God isn't going to bring another individual while you are still connected, committed, and made a covenant with someone. And all of a sudden, well, this is God's will for my life. God would never tempt us to do evil. Listen carefully. And I need you to understand, this is where the enemy messes with a lot of our minds. Being tempted is not a sin. Let me try this side, okay? Being tempted is not a sin, okay? Being, wanting something isn't necessarily the sin or, or noticing something. Gentlemen, you're not the, it's not the first look that gets you in trouble. It's the second look. It's the U-turn when you drive back to go... It's when you begin to look at something, you begin to want it in your mind, and you begin to imagine how good it would be to have that thing. And ladies, same thing, whatever whatever it is in life, whatever we begin to covet, whatever we begin to want, whenever everything we have in life starts with a thought. And when you allow certain thoughts in your mind, you have already committed that act. That's why whenever we find ourselves being tempted, temptation in and of itself isn't a sin. Jesus was tempted, but he remained sinless. The book of Hebrews 4.15 says this he was tempted in every way what do you mean every way there were ladies throwing themselves at Jesus even though we don't see it in the Bible there there were ladies he was tempted sexually he was tempted with power he was tempted with every aspect just like you and our uh, you and I were but he remained without sin first Corinthians 10 13 says this the temptations in your life are no different than what others experienced Pastor, you don't know what I go, I'm going through. You know what? Shut up. You grow up, okay? No, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what it's like. Everyone's gone through something. You're not going through any temptation that's different than anyone else in humanity has ever faced. 
You're struggling with, with, with alcohol or, or drugs. Everyone's gone through that. You're struggling with the lust for money. Everyone's gone after power. Women, everyone's gone after men, whatever it is. Every individual has been touched with one aspect. What you're going through is no different. And don't let the enemy lie to you and say you are. We all go through something. And it's no different than anyone else. And so when we go through it, we're embarrassed because we feel like we're the only ones going through it. So I don't want to open up to anyone and tell them what I'm going through because then I'm going to look terrible. The reality is, is everyone has been tempted by something. And that's why we're there to encourage one another. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a what? Come on, say it again. A way. If temptation overcomes you, it's because you refuse to take the exit. Because God provided a way out. It's all about our choices. And when we make a choice to follow God, we become more like God. Number three, as we close. This is going to be a tough one, Okay. In fact, if, if the worship team can help me this morning as we bring this together. Tool number three, God uses trespasses to teach us to forgive. Now, now let, me, let me, everyone say forgive. forgive. Forgiveness is tough. How, how many remember Jesus on the cross? What did he tell to those that were, that were crucifying him? Forgive them for what? They know not what they do. What do you do when they know what they're doing? Can you say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do when they know exactly what they're doing? They're doing it on purpose to hurt you, to cause problems. That sexual abuse, that physical abuse, the verbal abuse, the, 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 the way they tore you, the way they stole from you, the way they, they murdered your character, the way they went out, the things that they did for hurt and they knew exactly what they're doing. It doesn't change. Why? Because trials are designed by God to draw you closer to God. Uh, when we talk temptation is designed by Satan to draw you away from God but when we get to talking about trespasses trespasses are designed by other human beings to hurt you someone's trying to destroy you Satan's not the only one out there trying to destroy you there are people that are out there literally to hurt you because that pain inside of them is so great they don't know how to deal with it other than to share that pain with someone else. The Lord's prayer he gave us, he said this, and forgive us. Forgive us what? Our trespasses. As we forgive those that trespassed against us. Forgive. Forgive. If you're going to be like Christ, you're going to have to learn how to forgive. Say it again, Pastor. This is hard because what when you know when someone has done something and it, and it hurts deep. And I know it, it's you. This is even worse. I find this in marriages a lot because the level you love someone also is the degree when there is offense, how deep the offense goes. So when there, it's, it's hard to forgive someone that you love 
because you take the hurt deeper. If someone, if, if I don't know you and you say something against me and I only value you this much, when you hurt me, it's not going to set the scales off too much. But if I love you this much, the offense you bring against me cuts deeper. The level of our love also determines the level of our hurt, of the offense. If we're going to be like Christ, listen closely, we have to forgive. But they were wrong. Forgive. They knew what they were doing. Forgive. That's what Jesus was all about. Father, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive others. If we refuse to forgive, we will not be forgiven. Did you hear that? If we refuse to forgive, we will not be forgiven. And the, the, the enemy knows if I can't keep a church from, from coming together in unity with a purpose, I'll fracture them through hurt. I'll destroy them with the fits. Now, get them to the point where they can't forgive, that they can't agree until I begin to fracture and break it apart to make sure that I'll let them continue to come to church, but I'll keep them from becoming united and effective. You're going to have conflict. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to let you down. You're going to let me down. But part of a family is forgiveness. It's who we are. Jesus said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. 1 Peter 2, 23 says this, And they called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content. Oh, check this out. I love this. I highlighted it in red because I'm speaking to myself, okay? Content to let God set things right. Everything. Someone say everything. Everything you go through is Father filtered. Everything that reaches you is Father filtered. God the Father filters everything that reaches your life because God wants to make sure everything you go through has been filtered through his love. So as I close this morning, two things I want you to remember. While you're going through a trial, while you're facing temptation, and while you're dealing with other people's trespasses as well as your own. Listen to this in regards to forgiveness. Only a forgiven person can understand forgiveness. That's why he said, Father, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive the trespasses of others. As I'm forgiven of something I have no right to be let go of, when I realize that, then I can extend that grace to other people as well. <laughs> Ephesians 4.32, first thing I want you to remember is that God has forgiven you. Everyone say that with me. God forgave me. Think about the things you did. Or the things you're doing. Things that are in your mind right this moment. That God forgives you. 
I appreciate that. God forgave me. God forgave me. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I'm just so humbled this morning that you would forgive a sinner like me. God, will you have the right to expose me? God, you forgave me. The right to judge me, you covered me. Lord God, the right, my God, to kill me, God, you gave me life instead. When you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, you were not speaking just to the soldiers and to the crowd around the cross that day. You were speaking for generations to come, for those that were afar off, for those, my God, that it had not yet come to you, those individuals that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord God, that even afar off, you saw me, you saw my family, you saw my church. And Lord, you said, Father, forgive them. They just don't get what they're doing. We thank you. We thank you. Come on, just receive the love of God, the forgiveness of God this morning. Second thing I want you to understand is this. Remember that God is in control. Come on. God's in control. Stop trying to take control. When you try to get even, you're trying to take things, matters back into your own hands. God's got your back. God's got you. Genesis 50, 20, God says, you plan for evil against me. God used the same plans for my good. You see all around you right now life for many people. God, I want you to know that many people are trying to destroy your life. Many people have gossiped about you. Many of people put you down. They, put, they, they said things about you. But I want you to know that no matter what you're going through today, no matter what the battle is, God is in control. God is in control of your life. He's in control control of your future and that just surrender to God's plans and purposes for your life. Stop defending yourself. Let God speak on your behalf. Stop fighting for yourself. Let God take care of the situation. Forgive and let go. Remember, God forgave me. Everyone stand to your feet. God forgave me and God is in control. Lift your hands all over this place right now. Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you. Come on, right where you are. Lord, we just thank you. I want you right now just to focus in on his forgiveness. Just thank him. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your forgiveness, God. I thank you for forgiving me, my God, when I didn't deserve it. Lord, I don't deserve to be in your presence, but you forgave me. I thank you. Come on, receive it. Forgiveness right now. Forgive, but God, I, I, I don't know how many times I've done it. I've messed up. I keep blowing it. If God said that we were to forgive our neighbor that offended us seven times 70, how many times do you think God forgives us a day? Come on receive it right now father forgive me let's say this with me heavenly father forgive me you know my heart you know my mind you know my intentions forgive me because I knew what I was doing and I still did it thank you for forgiving me I receive your forgiveness this morning and I trust that you're in control 
Let me stop fighting and trust that you have everything under control. You're working it out. All things work together for good for those that love God and who are called according to your purpose. Lord, I surrender right now. As G begins to sing, I just want you right now just to accept the forgiveness of God and just trust that he's got your back. Come on. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. praying for a victory, you're going to see a victory. Come on, I'm going to see a victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. I'm not fighting for a victory, I'm fighting from victory. Lord, you already won. It's already done. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm free this morning. I'm free. I've been set free this morning. No longer in bondage, God. No longer in chains, God. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven this morning, God. I'm set free. I'm not in bondage, my God, to offense. I'm not in bondage, my God, to yesterday. I'm walking free right now. Yes, yes. Come on, worship this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.